This is the recap, a review of the day's news in the Tri-States area for Monday, February 5th, 2024. With Tri-States Public Radio News, I'm Mike Murray. A former McDonough County Sheriff's deputy is fighting his dismissal from the department. Tri-States Public Radio's Rich Egger reports. Sheriff Nick Pettigrew fired Deputy Evan Schmalshoff late last month. That was about one year after Schmalshoff was involved in a fatal high-speed chase. In his report following the crash, Schmalshoff said he intended to deploy spike strips in the road to end the chase. But in a later interview with investigators, Schmalshoff reportedly said he had no intention of deploying spike strips. Pettigrew said that by being untruthful, Schmalshoff discredited himself as a law enforcement officer. Schmalshoff has filed a grievance with the FOP labor union. The crash happened on Route 67 between Macomb and Industry on January 27th of last year. Schmalshoff's vehicle collided with the car, driven by 35-year-old James Melantine, while both were traveling at high speeds. Melantine lost control of his car and was ejected from it. He was pronounced dead at the scene. His family has filed a federal lawsuit against the county, the sheriff's department, Pettigrew, Schmalshoff, and another deputy. Rich Egger reporting. The city of Galesburg has received half a million dollars from the Illinois Department of Natural Resources to develop a park at a former Southside school. Cook School on West 2nd Street closed at the end of the school year in 2014. The Open Space Land Acquisition and Development Grant will cover half the cost of the project. The proposed park development includes the creation of a trailhead, playground, picnic shelter, parking area, a restroom, trees, and other native plants. Iowa House Democrats released a package of bills they say would lower costs for Iowans. Democratic Representative Sue Cahill of Marshalltown is proposing extending Iowa's two-day sales tax holiday to two weeks and applying the tax break to more items. The bill allows all people to have a better access to the sales tax holiday, and it would leave more money in their pockets. Anyone could be a part of this without a lot of qualifiers for them. And this could provide a tax savings for every person in Iowa. House Democrats are also proposing raising the minimum wage to $15 an hour, helping child care providers afford child care for their own kids, and helping Iowans with disabilities get health services without waiting several years. Minority leader Jennifer Confirst says income tax cuts proposed by Republican leaders won't do anything for the half a million Iowans who don't pay income taxes. People around the globe use Facebook groups every month. From private groups with restricted access to public groups without rules, these groups are changing how communities interact. Tri-State's Public Radio's J.C. Dewar tells us how one group is changing the way Macomb residents work as a community. The Macomb, Illinois Community and Sales Group started three years ago when a new resident needed help. Mackenzie LeMay moved to Macomb from Burlington. That's when she learned that there was no Facebook community group like there had been in southeast Iowa. I want there to be a way for everyone to have access to resources. While other Facebook groups in the Macomb area exist to help residents to sell unwanted items, to access housing, or to find employment, this group exists for the community to come together and offer help to neighbors. There was 
a mom struggling for food and rent money, and the community helped her. LeMay made the group where Macomb residents could come to ask for help when needed and find resources otherwise invisible. The purpose of it was shown during the cold weather at the beginning of 2024. Community members helped each other with snow removal and car problems resulting from the weather. Josh Averbeck says groups like these are expanding communities. Averbeck is a professor of communication at Western Illinois University and the director of the school's social media lab. He says that before social media, communities often formed based on who lived on the same street and who someone happened to know. Now, because of social media, communities are expanding, but he cautions that they can also create a divide between who is online and who is not. But also when it becomes relied upon as the only way to get information out, I think it definitely creates a divide. Averbeck says in addition to online groups, residents should also continue to use traditional routes to share community events and resources. He says that can help bridge the online divide. I'm J.C. Dewar. Iowa Governor Kim Reynolds has filed a bill that would require transgender Iowans who change their gender on their driver's license or birth certificate to also have their sex assigned at birth on their ID. This means anyone who sees a person's driver's license would know the person is transgender. Reynolds did not mention this bill in her Condition of the State address, where she unveiled her other legislative priorities. Iowa Safe Schools, which advocates for LGBTQ youth, condemned the bill. In our feature for today, changes to the Federal Financial Application for Student Aid, or FAFSA, are meant to simplify the application process and increase financial assistance for low-income college students. But the rollout has been marked by delays, disruptions, and uncertainty for students and their families. Tri-State's Public Radio's Jane Carlson talked with a veteran financial aid professional about those challenges. Students complete the FAFSA to determine eligibility for federal financial aid, such as Pell Grants. This year, the revamped application did not even become available until late December, putting the process months behind schedule. Jane Schreck is Director of Financial Aid at Monmouth College and has three decades of experience in the field. She says the drastic overhaul of FAFSA has some positives, but the process has been filled with glitches. But at this point, over three million people have applied using the FAFSA. The problem is that they're not being processed and they're not being forwarded to state agencies, and they're not being forwarded to schools yet. Shrek says the U.S. Department of Education is now telling colleges not to expect FAFSA results until mid-March. Previously, they said results would be available in January. That condenses the timeline significantly. In recent years, the FAFSA became available on October 1st. And families started getting financial aid packages from schools as early as November which was giving them months to make decisions about best fit and and the school that they really wanted and um, what payment methods they wanted to use. Shrek says this is most stressful on the families because it's delaying their ability to make plans and be excited about the future. Families may have just weeks to compare financial aid offers from colleges and make their decisions. And I'm feeling bad for these students because they entered high school in a COVID year and they're now leaving high school with a FAFSA delay year. 
Lower-income families are more impacted by the uncertainty. At Monmouth, just under 40% of students are typically eligible for Pell Grants. So Monmouth is pushing back the typical deposit deadline of May 1st to June 1st to give families more time. They've also programmed the net price calculator on their website to calculate the way the new FAFSA does. Shrek says her department and financial aid offices across the country are trying to be as prepared as possible. We're out in the local areas helping students complete FAFSAs and get through these glitchy systems right now. But the reality is our hands are tied and we really can't be an advocate for the student if we can't see their data yet and it hasn't come from the Fed. Shrek says despite all the FAFSA problems this year, the application itself is an improvement. It uses skip logic to only ask questions relevant to particular families after they've entered basic data. So it takes less time to complete. There's just some really good features about it if you catch it on a good day when there's not glitches happening. Shrek says there are certain populations of families who are really struggling with the application, and the federal government is responding in real time to fix the issues. One mistake that's being corrected and causing delays is not adjusting for inflation. Now the FAFSA is being reprogrammed, and all applications will be processed with that adjustment. Shrek says it's expected with the new FAFSA that more students will qualify for federal funding, and those who qualify will qualify for more money. That said, let's remember that there's two different sides to this story. On one hand, they are writing the formulas to calculate this. On the other hand, the federal government still has to appropriate the dollars to fund that. Shrek says in her financial aid career, there have been other difficult years for families, from the farm crisis to the housing bubble bursting to a global pandemic. But these FAFSA delays and glitches are by far the most disruptive things she's encountered. I'm Jane Carlson. In the weather for our listening area for today, it should be mostly sunny with a high in the upper 40s and north winds should prevail at 5 to 10 miles an hour. For tonight, mostly cloudy skies with a low in the upper 20s, north winds still around 5 miles an hour. For TSPR News, I'm Mike Murray. Tri-State's Public Radio is part of the NPR Network.